morning, everybody. Happy Father's Day to everyone, current and future. Or if you have one, or if you are one, you know one. Happy Father's Day. Um, Jesus, we just thank you for your word to us. Uh, We are grateful for the things that you have uh, done to us in our lives, the things that you have promised us in your word. And Lord, we just pray that uh, this morning you would uh, minister to us, God, as only you can. God, from the limitless supply of the well of Bethlehem, God, this morning I pray you uh, would give us that uh, that drink. God, just like you gave to the woman at the well, God, that we would never thirst again. God, we pray it in your righteous name. In your name we pray. God, open our ears, open our hearts, Lord, to receive uh, what you're saying to us and in the manner which you're saying it to us and Lord God I, I I bind the emotions and the carnal mind and the the accusations of our adversary that would cause us to uh, hear your word with our ears but receive something else with our hearts God and I just pray it in your righteous name amen amen so clearly everyone else is out uh, sleeping in because it's Father's Day that would have been a grand Father's Day gift come to think of it Maybe I should go back and go back to bed. I had a good day yesterday. Went and saw my folks, and uh, one of our guys, his uh, one of his kids was turning one, so he thought, who better to invite to his kid's birthday party than his boss? So, so we went and hung out with him last night. That was a lot of fun. Uh, um, <clears throat> uh, go with me to Romans chapter eight. I don't know about you, but I always breathe a sigh of relief. The preacher says, go with me to Romans chapter 8. Yes! It's like, this is going to be awesome. Uh, you know, it's something that, that I, I find um, happens to us. And sometimes, like, like I said when we were praying, it's kind of hit me that way that we we come to church and we we're listening with our ears and it's like the sound waves travel around the church and they go into your ear so you heard what was said but oftentimes um, by the time it gets down into our into our heart and our mind and our soul it's it our mind somehow filters it into something different and uh, um. It's a, it's an interesting thing how that happens because it a lot of that has to do with your sense of expectation, and has it and I, it has a lot to do with what what do I, how do I think God sees me? How do I think God thinks about me? And if if He were sitting here with me and He is, what what would He say to me? Like if I could you know, sit across the table from Him at coffee and 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 just you know have a chat, what would He say? And and so often our our idea is rather far removed from what he thinks, far from how he feels, uh, because you know we all you know you know you, and I know me, and so it's easy because of the knowledge of good and evil. It's easy to think that, well, uh, he's probably not happy about 
this thing. You're probably not happy about that thing that I said the other day, or uh, um, you know, uh, probably not happy about me uh, giving the uh, I'm number one uh, gesture to somebody in traffic, or which he probably isn't, but. Um, <laughs> That's how you tell people that you you cut me off and you're supposed to let me go first. That's why you hold up one finger. But um, as you can see, I still need some work on the traffic thing. But um, you know, um, the thing is, is it's we do more than that. It's like we we hang on to these things that are ancient. It's like you know, it's like I'm sure God is. You know, still like unhappy with me because of that thing I did last year that I already repented of, and 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 even though his, his word said that he he you know he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and removes our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. I'm sure he still remembered this thing. I'm sure he's still stewing about it. You know, because that's what we do with stuff. When when somebody offends us, we we keep it around for a while. And uh, and and it's like our little little uh, martyred trophy on on the shelf. It's like you know, we we sound like the guy on Rain Man. You know, it's like endlessly repeating this thing that happened as he squeaked and pulled and hurt my neck. You know, Saturday afternoon. You know, and it's like and we we just we hang <laughs> we but you know we hold on to stuff like that forever. And it's and the only person we're really doing any damage to is ourselves by doing that. But my point is is that when uh, because we do that because that's in our nature, then we think God does that because uh, even though we all know better, uh, we have this mindset of projecting the way that we think on Him because we do that to other people. Like it's. You know, if if you are are one of those people that really hyper examines the things that people say, and is always you're always trying to read between the lines and look for some hidden meaning, then uh, you assume that everyone else does that too. And some people are really straightforward and they just kind of say what they mean. And uh, I, I I like to just kind of say what I meant because otherwise you have to say a lot more words. And, and they're probably not going to get what you actually meant, you know. Like I, I saw this thing once that was, you know, talking about, you know, those people who read between the lines. If they designed a stop sign, they wouldn't say stop four letters S T O P stop. It's red. It's octagonal. You know what it means. Uh, there are those who, if they were to design the stop sign, it would say, if you really knew me and you knew how to deal with people, you would know what to do right now. So, so then the policeman comes up to the car. It's like, you know, why I pulled you over. Um, I'm not sure. Well, you uh, you just ran it. If you really knew me, you'd know what to do now. Sign. You know, it's not not quite the same. You know, but um, but I like that because you know, you know, when you read stuff like packaging uh, for a like something you bought at Dick's Sporting Goods or or whatever, there's always like those duh statements on them it's like you know like uh this is not to eat it's like really <laughs> yeah. like i was totally going to eat this thing you know or you know um but but everything has this like when you go to mcdonald's and it's like caution hot coffee 
really? <laughs> no kidding. You know? Um, and and I, I know why they put that stuff on there. But it's the point is is no one should have to because you should just you should know this kind of stuff. But when you state something as plainly as possible, then you know, that's then you know you're communicating at the highest level with words as God intended. And so but it, but if you're the kind of person that likes to try and drop hints and, and get people to figure out what it is that you are actually meaning or actually thinking. You know, if you're like, man, it's sure is hot out today, but you're actually thinking, uh, you know, like, what what kind of doofus are you? Why would you do that thing that you just did or, or whatever? You know, no one's ever going to get to that thing. And, and, then, and then eventually, you know, the... Uh, the Word of God will get to them and they'll be like, hey, I wanted to talk about this this thing. You know when I said that it was hot out, what I actually was meaning was, you know, X, Y, and Z, and you stare at them. Like, I didn't get that. I I, I thought, yeah, it is hot out here today. And and I, I thought we were having a conversation. You know? So, you know, not to belabor the point any further, what we do is... is we look at God the same way that he's it's like he says this stuff to us but but what he's really trying to say is somewhere in between the lines and uh and so we we look for that hidden meaning and because we know ourselves we think well he he must want to address this thing you know there's nothing like having an elephant in the room when uh you know, some you go to talk to somebody and they're expecting you to come down on them about something, or or they have something that they want to talk about, and and you're kind of waiting for it to come out. There's always those that awkward like so something or other something something. You know, making small talk. Um, Mike and I had a rather uncomfortable conversation with somebody like that a while back, and uh, just kind of trying to make a little small talk and kind of break the tension a little bit and then it's like then they just jump down like so are we going to talk about this thing or what <laughs> like, okay well then let's talk about this thing and uh, uh and I, I was glad they did because it's like sometimes it's just you're not sure how to start um especially you know if, if you're going to have to tell somebody like you know point out to them something you know that that needs change that you've seen it's you know, hopefully you don't enjoy that. <laughs> it's like, hey, so I'm glad we had this talk because, you know, you, you're a mess. You know, <laughs> it's like you've got like this thing going on, and this, and while we're at it, we, you know. <laughs> you know, but we expect God to do that to us too. You know, and so then we show up to talk to Him, and there's this tension of. Well, you know, he's he's probably, you know, you know, it's like you expect to sit across the table from him, you sit down, and he's like, June 16th, 1998, you know, 3.04 p.m., and you're staring like, what, what? It's like, oh, don't even lie to me, you know, but, you know, because we hang on to those things, and God doesn't, and so... um do we then have this sense that 
that that of this of God being this uh, cosmic policeman uh, that he's uh, and 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 not a good cop like like Bob, but like a cop that's like waiting to you know it's like I've got my ticket my ticket quota to meet today, so so I'm I'm just looking for some kind of infraction that I can nail you on, um, and uh, so it, here in Romans eight. Um, it's a slippery, slippery slope on the way back to one. Um, but I think I'm wanting to go to uh, 14. Sounds good. 8.14. For as many as, as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And part of the problem with adoption is that uh, we've all, you know, seen Anne of Green Gables, you know, and how she, like, came from this terrible place. And it's like we think of, you know, being adopted like, you know, you're living in the orphanage with the gruel and everything before she ends up with the really cool people in Canada. But... um, you know, or you know, we've all seen uh, seen Annie. You know, it's like so we think adoption. You know, we're but you know, and we're hoping for this like you know Annie kind of experience. You know, that's like you know that uh, you know Daddy Godbucks is gonna uh, <laughs> adopt me and everything is gonna be grand. And and that's true. And and, and that's actually that's actually a right expectation. But um, but our, our thinking has conditioned us to be like, yeah, but that's just Hollywood. And so real life doesn't work that way. Because a lot of movies, life doesn't work that way. I, I was listening to this really interesting thing where this guy was like talking about negotiating and, and like getting information out of people. And he was a, a professional um, hostage negotiator for the FBI. Uh, and he's like, you know... Like, you see, like, every other action movie has, like, hostages at a bank robbery or whatever. He's like, but in real life, that happens, like, once every 20 years. And and uh, so, you know, we we have this these kind of these blurry lines in our mind between truth and fiction. And so then we, we, we're not sure what to pull from that, that would be, this is how God acts. And that's why it gives us the Word of God, because it, it spells out in black and white, this is how I act, this is who I am. And so, you know, so we get adopted, you know, but we're thinking that we're going to be the, you know, the red-headed stepchild that's cleaning out the, uh, the yes, thank you, Mitch, I knew you knew we were waiting for that, um, that we're going to be like the kid out there cleaning the stables while the... Uh, the, while the biological kids are going to be, you know, hanging out and playing polo. And so, it's not like that. It's not like that at all. Because he, uh, you know, this is not just some sort of adoption where he he comes and signs a couple of papers and then off you go. He, you know, he, he chooses you for his own. But then he imparts to you his nature. And, 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 he, and he really makes you a part of his family uh in a way that's that's more even more real than 
than when you actually physically adopt the child because you make them part of your family. You know, and and more than just, you know, in a in a legal sense, the way that you treat them and and the way that you deal with them, that's what makes them part of your family. Uh, and you can really honestly seriously make them part of your family, but this is something even deeper than that because you still can't impart your nature to them. You 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 know, you've missed the chance to have any input into them. Uh, from a sense of them being made into a person, you know, you, you didn't have that opportunity. Somebody else did that, but now you have this this opportunity to to deal with them and to to teach them and stuff, but to love them. And so, what God does is he he starts over again, you know, with that new seed. And so he imparts that thank you. So you're it's 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 funny because it's it's this adoption, but in a lot of senses, it's really not. It's really more like you are just born into his house. And uh, so so he says here, you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So if he, if he wants you to call him Father, and he's, and he's telling you that, you know, I, I haven't given you this, this fearful spirit, I, I, then... That that sense of coming to him with the expectation of him being unhappy is really inappropriate. Uh, you know, um, uh, there's you know if you have kids and and they they go around wringing their hands, always waiting for you to get on to them about something, it, it's actually kind of offensive. It's like what? Do you really think that I'm I'm some like beast just waiting to? bust your hide about something, you know, and, uh, you know, it's like I get up in the morning and having my coffee or whatever, and, you know, the kids come stumbling in there, the hair all sticking up, and <laughs> Levi's already dressed for the day because that's what he does. <laughs> He's already got his shoes on and everything, and I don't know where he gets that, you know, and, uh, you know, Zoe comes in with her hair all everywhere. She's got her little unicorn nightgown on, and she's like, morning, Daddy. You know, and it's like I'm just I'm so happy that they're there. You know, Jeremy comes in playing with his hair. I'm gonna cry when he outgrows that. But um, his teacher last year did everything she could to break him of it, and I was thinking I will break her if she doesn't stop. It was just kind of at the point where it's like, well, there's no sense making a fight about it. I just I just told him, yeah, if she doesn't want you doing it, don't. But you can do it here all you want, and so he does. But um, you know, I'm, I'm just so happy to see them. You know, and you know, they, they come sit down at the table, and then they want their coffee. You know, and then then uh, uh, then they have their their bowl of, of uh, you know sugar sugar bombs or whatever you call them. You know, and it's like they're they're good to go. You know, but I'm just I'm I'm glad they're there. You know, and so. Uh, I've I've had days where you know I was so busy and had all this stuff going on, and I I barely saw them at all until bedtime. And it's like you know you sit down and to you know, read a book with them or just kind of chat with them for a few minutes before bed. And you know I I never looked at them and said you know what you didn't talk to me enough today. Like you didn't you know I can't believe you didn't spend any time with me today. You know and and. Uh, like here I you know here I am doing all this stuff for you and, and and you just ignored me all day. 
I would never, you know, what parent would do that? You know, and uh, uh, actually I got some really interesting perspective about this from Ron recently. Is like, you know, how much conversation do you get from your children? More than enough sometimes. And I was like, maybe you could just quiet down for a few minutes. <laughs> and uh, and I, I think that's, that's why, if you're not too exhausted, that's why people with little kids like to stay up for a little while after they go to bed. Because it's like, ah, oh, it's quiet. Huh. You know, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm sure Heidi comes home from work and it's like Bob's like, hey, so something. Like just a few minutes of quiet, but um, you know, but uh, you know, God adopted you because He wanted you in His house, and and He's not, you know, He's not out to, uh, uh, you know, to, to make you this this stepchild that that serves while everybody else that that was born in the house does you know does their their fun stuff. He says here, the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be we suffer with them, that we may be glorified together. So he's, he talks about the sense of something that we don't really like to touch much because it sounds way too presumptuous. But this, this idea of being joint heirs with Christ. Because if you are a joint anything with somebody, then you, you are you're connected to them in this venture. Right. And and so, you know, being a joint heir with Christ means that you are partaking of the same inheritance that he got. And so, you know, so often, you know, that just sounds so presumptuous to to think uh to think of it that way. Um you know the because the Bible is very plain that says that we are the uh, or that that he was the the firstborn from the dead that he was the firstborn among many brethren so uh, I I don't think it's presumptuous of Levi to say anything about being Jeremy's brother because in fact he is just because Jeremy just happened to be the firstborn uh, Levi is no less than that and I'm not saying that we're equal with Christ, don't get me wrong, but what I'm saying is that he uh, he has this he had this inheritance of the, the love of God and the Spirit of God and this this indwelling of that Spirit and it, and it doing something in his life that made him into exactly what God wanted him to be. And, and that's the inheritance that he's talking about. And that's what he's adopted you for. You know, because he had he had this this um, limitless treasure of this inheritance and you know Abraham was was wealthy and 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 he thought I really don't want to just give all of this stuff to Eleazar that seems silly I mean I know he he works for me and I love him but he you know and he takes care of my stuff but he's not my son you know and and so he had all of this stuff and not even just his stuff but he had all this life experience and wisdom and and things that he thought man if i just had a little guy that i could teach this stuff to and pass it down to uh what what a blessing that would be you know and and of course he he did come to that place um so 
So God had all this great inheritance, all this, this great and exceeding precious promises that He really wanted somebody to pass it to, somebody to give it to. Because when you, when you like to give, when, it, when you understand that it's really a blessing to give, it, it's, you know, you, you, you're excited when you find those opportunities. You know, and it's like, yes! And, uh, and, and there are times that you give and you're like, ouch! You know, <laughs> and, and, and those are good too. We've, we've all done that. Um, but it's a great thing because we understand that even though in that giving, it's like in the back of your mind you know that it's a law that you give and it should be given. And you know that you can't outgive Him. And so there's there's always that sense of, oh, this is going to work out good for me, you know. But that's not your first motivation. You know, your first motivation is, wow, this is really a blessing. And and what, what you know, how how great is it that I get to do this? And uh, you know, the old saying, giving is its own reward, is really true. You know, because when you, you know, when when somebody really appreciates the, you know, whatever it is, it's that's that's really all you want from them. If that, I mean, you know, you want to do it because it's just the right thing to do, but it feels good. I'm like, yes, man, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, one of our guys was telling us that, like, you know, I really don't want you guys to think that I'm just sucking up because I'm not, but I really like this job. And you guys are really great to work for. This is such a cool job. And, uh, um, and, and I appreciated that, you know, because it's like, you know, we, we set out to be that company to work for. You know, and uh, and and create that reputation of it's like, man, I wish those guys were hiring. You know, and but it's like these guys, you know, we get to deal with them, get to know them, and stuff. And and being able to be good to them is something that's really a blessing, and it feels really good. And um, uh, you know, because it's not, you know, you don't want to just take from people, and and it would be, you know, as an employer, that's really easy to do. And uh, but it's like you know when you when you really see how much they're giving to you, like giving back to them seems like seems like not only the right thing to do, but kind of a, just an easy thing to do. But you know, but he but he talks here about this sense of being joint heirs, you know, heirs of God, because we're children, you know. And, and he talks about a couple of different words here, because in fourteen he said that uh, he's talking about the sons of God. And this is a different word than the word that it uses uh, in verse 16 for children. They're, they're different words because the, the word children literally is more of this generic word for children. Whereas the word here for sons really does, it's that specific, but it carries with it this sense of um, character. Sonship, not in the respect of, of birth, but of character. And so God has adopted us for that very purpose. For the, uh, I, I don't remember where that is, but it talks about the, him, you know, having the uh, these chosen for the adoption of sons. And and so that His purpose then is to to work in your life and uh, bring you to those places that you you start out as a child of God, but you you grow into this place of sonship with Him. And uh, and it's a precious thing. Um, and of course, not limited by gender, unless you check the other box. I was talking to my, uh, seriously talking to my uncle the other day, and uh, 
yesterday, and he said that uh, that he's seen like forms where you check you're, you're filling out your personal information, and it's like gender, male, female, other. It's like there is no other. You know, and I tried to explain that to him, and uh, you know, and, and he came back at me with this kind of, "What about people that are born with both stuff?" And I was like, "What people?" <laughs> you know. <laughs> Like I don't know what you're talking about. You know, um, it's like I don't know what kind of world you live in, but you know, can I get you a, some fries with the rainbow box or what? You know, I just. It's, but it's, it's funny how other, you know. <laughs> I mean, we, I know there's always that. I can't tell, but, you know. <laughs> you know, but that's just probably because of the way they're dressed or the way they cut their hair or, you know. You know Mike tells this great story about how he, he spent, like, all day with this person in high school at this, like, band event of some sort. And, uh, and he just he couldn't figure it out. And he's making conversation, and their their voice was very gender neutral, and their their face and their haircut. He's talking, and uh, he's like, so "What's your name, Adrian?" <laughs> yeah, he was like, "Hey, I can't tell." So, I mean, that happens, but you know, but uh, you know, deep down somewhere in there, there is a gender specific thing going on. So, anyway, that's free. That's not what we're here to talk about. But the, um, you know. That was that was my bunny trail from just letting you know that that this sonship is not exclusive to men. It's not. So, um, so I'm going to skip down just a bit here to uh, well, maybe I'll just read through here real fast. Okay. I want to get down here a ways, but you kind of need all this to get where we're going, I think. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which should be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. So, of course, that you know the world is waiting to see Christ in the church. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself shall also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together till now, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, we ourselves also groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of the body. So, we have those days where we look in the mirror, and it's like, I don't see that. I don't see him yet. You know, I see me. And... uh and and so he he said that we groan within ourselves, not waiting for this. We're waiting for the same thing that that, that all of creation is waiting for is to see that in us. Uh, and and he and he says that it's waiting for the adoption. It's like we're we're waiting to see that 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 sense of us being in in the family of God, waiting for it to be something that that not only do we apprehend by faith, but that we actually see it. So he says we're saved by hope. But hope that is not seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? 
I've always found that an interesting verse because I don't know that I wait patiently for something I don't see. But 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 his point is is you know well taken because um, you don't need to keep hoping for something if you see it. Mm-hmm. You know if if you have it, then you no longer need to hope for it. Yeah. But uh, but the sense of waiting for these things to happen to me has this sense of of uh, of surety to it. That I don't need to uh, worry and fret as to whether or not this is going to happen. It's whether or not it's going to happen is a foregone conclusion. It's simply a matter of when am I going to see this uh, in me. But the great thing is, is this patience is has to do with with faith and has to do with choosing to see yourself the way the Word of God says and not the way. That uh, that your mind would tell you the way that that other people might tell you, and because you can be uh, very hard on yourself, and and uh, there's a there's a place where self-examination turns into something else entirely, and it goes from uh, you know just making sure that there's nothing in your teeth and that your hair is brushed properly to um, you know, getting out those like, you know, I work in like these little old ladies' houses, or at least I used to, and they have those mirrors that you you get about this close to it, and all you can see is part of your nose, because it just magnifies everything, and you can look at yourself like that in the Word of God. You know, you get up really super close, and 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 it and it and it has to do with, I think the the big difference between positive and negative self-examination is. Your, your assumption before you start, you know, because if you assume that there's something there, you just have to find it. You know, if you're playing Where's Waldo with your faults and and looking for something to be there, and then you will look and and scrutinize until you find it. If if your if your assumption beginning is, I'm washed in His blood, I'm born of His Spirit, and He loves me, then the sense of looking uh, for something in you is different because then you're not expecting to find something. And if something catches your eye, then, then you want to deal with it. But, it, but you're, not, you're, not, you're not scrutinizing and digging until you find it. So, uh, so that's an important thing. And, and actually, he talks about that a little bit more here later on. Um, so... You know, so this, this, we have this hope then that we're we're waiting on seeing these things in our life, and uh, uh, it's easy to get discouraged as we wait for that. But he says, likewise, the Spirit helps our infirmities, for we know not what to pray for as we ought. But for this, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God, and so that's a great thing. You know, boil that down to he's on your side and he wants you to get through. He wants you to make it. Uh, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. Of course, we know that's the good things and the bad things, uh, and the ugly things. They all come together um, because they all have value uh, in in our walk with God. Uh, for let's see, 
Yep. Uh, for whom he did foreknow, them he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. So now he's coming back to, this is why I adopted you. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. So, so he adopted you with the express intention of doing this to you, conforming you to that image. Um, because everybody understands that you come to God uh, in the beginning not at all conformed to that image. We get that. But right away we feel like we should be utterly and completely form, conformed to this image. Uh, typically, we, uh, without even realizing it, we, we feel that we should be that way on our own steam and our own efforts. And uh, the older we get in the Lord, the more we find out that there's still plenty of conforming to do. There's still plenty of details to be chiseled away. And, and you can usually tell when that happens because you look in the mirror and your eyes are bulging slightly and, and, uh, and all that. But, uh, but we understand that we're being conformed. And, and so, but we're being conformed to his image, to be this firstborn among many brethren. So that goes right back to that sense of, is it presumptuous to think that I should be like Christ or not? Because he adopted me into the family. And so why wouldn't I be like him? Uh, so he says, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And uh, and that's a great one. That's a, that's a great verse to uh, you know write in calligraphy on the inside of your eyelids. You know, because... We have this tendency to think that, well, I don't know, you know, if if God would do this thing in my life, and and you know, it's like I, you know, I'm just kind of hoping to make heaven by the skin of my teeth, and which of course we all know is a bad idea because you don't have any skin on your teeth, um, uh, you know, unless you're gnashing on Stephen, but you know, <laughs> thank you, but. Um, but it's still not your skin, and you're probably not going to make heaven if you're gnashing on Stephen. But, um, but he's, you know, he's talking about this sense of, you know, if if God would would do this for you, if He would come and 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 die, what would He not do? You know, um, it's like I always tell the people at uh, at the old folks' home, with like as as badly as you want to make heaven, God wants you to make it even worse. Because and he paid such a dreadful price for it, he he doesn't want you to just miss out on it, and and he's not going to just uh, shrug and be like, okay, whatever, if you make a mistake, and be and and just say, well, okay, you know, so much for you, you blew your chance, um, and that's that's not at all what God is about. He said, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifies. And we all, I'm going to kind of wrap up with this, we all use this as this sense of protecting ourselves against the accusations of the devil, and rightly so. We also use this uh, to protect ourselves from uh, people who want to pick at us. 
And again, rightly so. But where we often come up short on this uh, is ourself. Because we're always laying something to the charge of God's elect, and not maybe not the person sitting next to you, but you. Leveling these accusations at yourself and finding fault with yourself. And, and in doing so, then you're coming at that self-examination with this sense of there must be something there. And what it does is it robs your faith that God loves you. It's the knowledge of good and evil. There's got to be something there, and if I just knew what it was, you know, or I think it's this, and when and when it's nothing, uh, you know, um, you know, whenever we talk about Adam, you know, coming up with this, you know, it's like, well, it must be because I'm naked. That must be why I feel so bad. You know, it makes me think of this. Uh, this episode of Monk where he, he goes to this uh, this art class and they're supposed to be drawing this like nude model or whatever and and you know of course he's not he doesn't want to look good for him and uh, and his little assistant lady is like have you never seen like a naked person before he's like well no not really it's like well what about you haven't you ever seen you naked he's like well like once by accident you know <laughs> you know and that really stuck with me because I thought you know that's what we do. You know, it's like we, um, you know, or actually we should have more of that kind of attitude of, uh, did I see myself naked? No, I didn't. I saw myself as being covered with the righteousness of Christ. And and so it's, uh, you know, you, you could just about take this and, and say, you know, shall I lay anything to the charge of God's elect? You know, and not, not, not you know, no, you shouldn't with the people around you. You know, and I, I can't stress that enough. But you know, looking in the mirror, it's like, shall I lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's like God chose me. Shall I pick on me and find fault with me because I'm actually finding fault with Him and with His work? And then, and then, w- when I come to sit down to talk to Him, and He was hoping I would just climb up in His lap and 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 just tell Him how wonderful I, that He is and how much I appreciate life. And, and him. Uh, instead, I, I'm sitting there all tense with this elephant in the room, thinking, "What? What is it that he's not happy about?" And, and he's not. Un- the thing he's unhappy about is is your tension and your sense of, "Well, I just I I wish you loved me and I wish you were happy with me and you know and all this stuff." And it's easy to to fall into that place. But but you're the you're the gatekeeper of your mind. So, so you have a sword then, and you're standing at the door. So anything that wants to get in has to get past the sword. But if you put down the sword, then it's a lot harder to keep them out. And so then these these thoughts come to the door and they want in, and they want to tell you those things that would then that bring you into that that condemning kind of self-examination. That, that, that there's this and there's this and you know God's not happy about this and 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 so once you let those thoughts in, it's a lot easier to keep those thoughts out in the first place than it is to get rid of them once they get in. Uh, and the longer you let them stay, the, the harder it is to get them out. And so the great thing is, though, is you have this you have a father and. Uh, when uh, you know, 
I, I, I love it when you always you hear little kids, it's like, you just wait, I'm going to go get my dad. Or you wait till my dad gets home, or whatever. You know, and uh, it's like that old song, my boyfriend's back and you're going to be in trouble, you know. It's like, you just wait. You just wait until God shows up because, you know, he is going to smite you in the hinder parts. So, uh, as it were. Uh, so, but that, but that's what he does. You know, he he's he's on your team, he's on your side, and 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 so what he wants is to understand is for us to understand that that he has um, adopted us into his family, and he his his desire and expectation is that we would be on our own team, but you know, being on his team, that we would all be on the same team. So that's what he does. Jesus, we thank you for your word to us, uh, for your great love. God is uh, a blessing to us, how you watched over us and covered us, and, and how you have drawn us to your side with these these great promises. Uh, God, um, so often our, our view of uh, your desire and plan for our life is, is so much lower and so much less than uh, what you have or, uh, ordained it to be what you've called us to uh, and Lord I what I pray today is that you would elevate our vision to these things to, to see the um, uh, the inheritance that you have uh, laid up for us God and to to take hold of you to take hold of, of those things that, that you have taken hold of us for and God we just pray that uh, um uh, that every heart that struggles with these these uh, things of condemnation and, and doubt and, and and feeling like we couldn't come and talk to you because you have something that you're unhappy about, Lord, uh, that's uh, the kind of thing that we want to get dealt with with you. And God, I just pray that you would bring that clarity uh, in every heart and every mind and that you would accomplish in us and through us exactly what you want done. Uh, God, nothing less is our... Uh, is our desire and and will bring us the the satisfaction that that you're getting out of our life what it is that you want god we just pray it in your name jesus amen amen